Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. This is the Abby Abby Normal Podcast, here to tell you that you're weird, and that's normal. Each family has different expectations of what's acceptable and what is not. It's cultural, it's personality types, both parents and kids, and of course it's generational. My parents were relatively strict. They had to know where I was at all times. There had to be a parent at the place that I was going to, and I had a strict curfew. They were vigilant about the language I used, movies and TV I watched, and absolutely no MTV. I was grounded for most of my sophomore year for circumventing these rules at every opportunity. But rebellion is a cornerstone of growing up. Feeling abnormal compared to your parents' view of what you should be and do is normal. So we'll have many stories of misbehavior in future episodes. But today we're going to talk about specific parental expectations, how scheming teens navigated right around them, and what the consequences can be. My friend Carmelita Valdez McCoy went to rehab at 16, and she's been sober now for 22 years. She's going to share with us how, despite her parents' best efforts, she started drinking in middle school. told me at one point that your mom saved your life yeah is that a true statement you you still stand by that absolutely no it's true (laughs) I was just talking to her about this recently you know my family was very much like a lot of families are like you know we take care of our own problems they weren't big on asking for help Mm -hmm. and I mean they didn't know what resources were out there and I think too, like, like a lot of people, I think maybe the awareness is better now, but at that time. You can GTS anyway, it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it was like, you're drinking too much. You just need to stop it. There was a lot, you know, it just wasn't yeah. really an, a full understanding. My, my dad's solution was, we're going to pull you out of school and put you to work. And I mean, I can tell you. There was no way that was ever going to work. Really? No, no. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But my mother was like, no, no, she needs help. We're going to get her help. And that's just what they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My mm-hmm. mom fought really hard for that because mm-hmm. she had she had to fight for it. My dad was not on board. Um, but my mom said, no, no, she's not leaving school to go to work. She's leaving school. She's she's going to get help. Yeah. So uh, my understanding is that that's costly. Like that can be really hard for families to figure out how to pay for something like that. Oh, most definitely. We were very fortunate. My father had decent insurance through mm-hmm, work. Mm-hmm. If that hadn't have been there, I mean, who knows what would happen. Right. We were very fortunate. So if you can rewind the clock, mm-hmm. like what do you think... I hate to say caused, but like, why do you think your drinking got so out of control? Man, I mean, I, this is always the question, right? (laughs) How do these things happen? Yeah. And I think 
like most things in life, I'm, I mean, I, I, there's definitely history of alcoholism in the extended family. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if there is a hereditary component, I think it's definitely alive and well in my family tree. I think in my particular situation, middle school hit me hard. I was struggling with depression. I was struggling with um, the dynamics at home. I was struggling with kind of the social stuff at school. And drinking was a way out of that. How did you get introduced to it? Oh, I had a friend. Because um, my parents don't drink. Because they had had plenty of family members. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah, no, my parents don't drink. Not even communion wine at mass. Wow. Like nothing. I've never seen my parents drink. They do not mess around with it. No, not at all. My mother has, from what she tells me, because it was before I was born, has had booze twice in her life. Just doesn't drink. Doesn't smoke. None of that. And so, yeah, I remember I was walking with a friend out of school and... She had, like, this, like, Tupperware, like, jug thing. Uh Uh-huh. She said it was full of sex on the beach, that mixed drink. (laughs) Was it actually sex on the beach? I have no idea. I have no idea what was in it. Uh I mean, it was booze, but she said it was sex on the beach. To this day, I don't know if it was sex on the beach, but. I mean, how old were you? I was 13. Yeah, it probably wasn't sex on the beach. It probably it wasn't. Feel, it feels like a pretty fancy but, beverage yeah. for a 13-year-old. Yeah, it's a little fancy. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, in the early days, it was like a lot of the very normal experimentation. Probably a little younger than most parents would be comfortable with. You know, it was like a friend's parents' liquor cabinet, you know, when they were at work in the summertime. That kind of thing. In the beginning, it was very kind of that innocent stuff mm-hmm. probably too young um but it was kind of innocent I remember the first time I got drunk it was uh for my 14th birthday because I had drank prior to that but no one had given me enough booze to get drunk yeah because everybody was just experimenting they're just kind of having a good time and they were all you know between the ages of 13 and 15 so they weren't like it was just sure fun. yeah it was just fun yeah, yeah. Um, so when I finally, we finally had enough booze for me to get drunk and I blacked out, but I just kept drinking and I just kept drinking and everyone else was just kind of sipping and having a time and just blackout drunk, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hitting on the older boys, <laughs> like <laughs> making a complete ass of myself, being super embarrassing and annoying and, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good memories. Yeah. (laughs) What I remember. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for those of us that haven't experienced something like that, I can't ever comprehend it because I'm like, you know, I get to my whatever it is, fourth drink, and then I barf, and then I go to bed. I never, like my, physically, I can't get to that point. Mm -hmm. Not that I've never acted stupid. Obviously, I have. (laughs) But that, like, blackout point. Yeah. So. Yeah, I went there a lot. (laughs) You lived there for a minute? I lived there for yeah. a minute. I think the funny thing, too, is my parents were really strict, which is, like, it's kind of surprising to hear that. Like, how does a kid living in a household with really strict parents who don't drink, like, how does that kid 
end up an alcoholic that has to go to rehab. Yes, I want to know. You would be surprised what's possible. <laughs> well, I also know that you're smart and you're clever. <laughs> I <was> so <laughs> clever. Yeah. I mean, and you know, if you can't, if you're, if they're watching you like a hawk and they're trying to keep you indoors after school, uh-huh. that means you just drink at school. Okay. Yeah. I mean, just elaborate, a really elaborate lengths I would go to. This is a funny story. <laughs> it's it's funny if you're not the parent of a teenager. Exactly, yes. <laughs> contemplating how these things happen. So I was going to go to a basketball game. I had talked my parents into letting me go to this basketball game. I don't care about basketball. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to go to this basketball game. Part of the reason my parents were cool with it, because it's like basketball games, there's teachers there, there's coaches, there's Yeah, it parents. seems like a safe space. Yes, seems like a safe, <laughs> pulsome <public laughs> school event. So after school, waiting for my mother to come pick me up, I got one of my older friends, because I think at this time I was 15, 15 with friends that were over 21. Yep. That's too old. Gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed really cool at the time. It's like sidebar. Well, we sidebar. need to talk about that later. We but. can talk about that later. <laughs> so they bought me booze. I gave them my lunch money for the week. Oh. Oh, yeah, girl. <laughs> Who needs lunch? No. So they bought me the booze. I carried it home in my backpack, very carefully, I might add, Uh because it was several bottles. What was it? It was malt liquor and I think a bottle of Cisco, Mm -hmm. mostly malt liquor. It was like several Uh large bottles of alcohol. Sure, a whole week's worth of lunches. Right. (laughs) Right. And so friend was at the house with me my mother was going to drop us off at this basketball game so now I have to figure out a way to transport the booze right to this game yeah and it's going to be clinking in your backpack in my mother's car oof she's never going to believe I'm taking a backpack she's not stupid <laughs> what did you do I come up with something better than that and this is what I came up with uh-huh. I got a gift bag <gasps> Put the bottles in it. I got some clothes. I wrapped the clothes kind of in between, kind of snaked it around in between the bottles uh-huh. to minimize clanking. Uh-huh. I put a couple shirts on top. And then when my mom asked, what is that? I was like, oh, so-and-so, I borrowed so-and-so's clothes. I'm giving them back their clothes. Or <sighs> That's a really complicated so, lie you came up with. So-and-so is borrowing my, this outfit and yeah. I'm taking it to her at the game. Wow. Success. Oh, gosh. Kids are so shady. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And you were, you, like, were not a troublemaker, right? Like, through elementary school. No. No. I was, like, got good grades. I was an artsy kid. Yeah. I was in GATE, the gifted and talented education thing. That's the hard part for a parent is, you know, you have this like precious angel mm-hmm. <laughs> and within two years they become this little lying, shady punk ass, you know? Yeah. And I just think that like parents just take too long to like catch on to that when it's happening. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's an amazing thing. And I, I mean, I salute you guys because it's, 
we don't make it easy. I've told my mother this and mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I didn't make this easy for you. You were doing everything you knew to do. Right. You were doing the absolute best you could. You were trying. Are there some things you could have done differently? Sure, of course. But at the end of the day, there was no way you could have any idea this was coming. Yeah. And all of those little signs when I was 12 and 13, a lot of that stuff looked like normal, normal teen behavior. Yeah. 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 I mean, it wasn't obvious. Yeah. In the beginning. Right. It wasn't. (sighs) We're going to take a break on that so I can like go cry. Was it the hundred? Carmelita's life passion is movies and TV. She recently did some guest spots on related podcasts. So if that's your thing, here's where you can check it out. Film podcast, the Dana Buckler show, talk about movies. And then the One Headlight podcast, Drew is the host of that one. His podcast is all things 90s. Oh my gosh. That'll be fun. Yeah, so it'll be cool. I mean, I have a complicated relationship with the 90s, so. Cindy Chi Sitman, who you heard share her story about Korea camp, was not allowed to date. She does anyway. What kind of mom was she in your middle school transition years? A Korean mother, so she had a lot of demands, but she was not an involved Korean mother, so she had no actual advice for me or ability to help. And she was a single mom, so she was always late. Probably more often than not, I was like that kid sitting alone in front of the school, alone, like as it's getting dark out yeah. by myself, waiting for my mom to show mm-hmm. up. And there'd always no be cell some, phone. Right, yeah. exactly. And and there'd always be some teacher going, really wanting to go home. Yeah. Thinking, do you think she's going to show up soon? I'm like, just go. I'm fine. (laughs) Leave me. Just leave. Whatever. Yeah. She was very demanding, but not very helpful. Mm -hmm. And she hated. There was no talking to boys. There was no, like, I was not allowed to date in high school, which is hilarious (laughs) because I did so much dating in high school. (laughs) And I wasn't supposed to be talking to boys. And that's why, like, the phone thing was such a big deal. Are you talking to a boy? Yeah. she got this voice. It's terrible. It's terrible. You could hear it from miles away that her calling me. So, so how old were you when you had your first boyfriend? When you went around with a boy for the first time, like actually had contact with them, yes, like non phone yes. relationship. Yeah, gosh, and not just check yes or no on a paper. You know what? I think it 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 wasn't until high school. Yeah, yeah, because I didn't have the opportunity in junior high. When I was 16 and 17, I had a boyfriend that my mother needed to get me away from. Was he that bad? He was pretty bad. (laughs) What kind of things did your mother not approve of? Well, first of all, I wasn't allowed to date at all. Okay. So he was my secret boyfriend. He was also briefly homeless, like he ran away from home. And I'm sure he was selling pot at one point. Was he in high school too? I think maybe he had just graduated. Did he drop out? I don't know. Okay. I don't know, but he looked like that guy. Do you remember poster stores at the mall? 
No. You don't remember they're going to the mall and there was like a store oh. just full of posters. Yes. Right? I love And remember that. all the like black and white like hot dudes. <laughs> Like, like, it was black and white pose pictures oh, yes, yes, of, yes, like, yes. super hot dudes yes. and, like, chicks in bikinis or whatever. And there was yeah. this one, wearing, like, shirtless like dude wearing, like, jeans and he was carrying uh-huh. tires. Uh-huh. Looked a lot like the carrying tires dude. Like, he was gorgeous. Okay. He was so good looking. And So um, your mom knew there was no way you could break away from the tire guy. Right. I, I'm sure. <laughs> and I don't You're even... too stupid and horny. Right. <laughs> But I absolutely would have broken up with him eventually if given the chance. But because I wasn't allowed to date, it made it all that much more How did she find out? Important. She found him in my closet. No. (laughs) He didn't have any place to sleep. (gasps) So I put him in the closet. You were letting him stay in your closet. (laughs) For like, yeah, for a couple days. (gasps) Oh my gosh, that's ballsy. Yeah. For on both of your parts. Yeah. Well, you know what? I wasn't allowed to do shit, so I had to take chances yeah. if anything was going to happen in my life. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of sneaking out, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a ton, because I wasn't even supposed to go anywhere past dark. Like nowhere. Not really, except weirdly enough, Rocky Horror Picture Show. That is weird. Every Saturday night, I was allowed to stay out until 2 and go to Rocky Horror Picture Show hmm. because one time she checked up on me and I was like, I'm just going to this movie. It's like this thing and all the kids go and da da da. And she called the movie theater. And while I was not in the theater at the time, I was just around the corner, like in the alley behind the theater, uh-huh. like drinking and Natty making ice. out with Tire Man. <laughs> no, no, no. Natty this was, ice. <laughs> this was pre Tire Man. Okay. I was hanging out with a bunch of punk rockers and uh, she called. And they were like, she's like, I'm looking for my daughter, Cindy. But I knew all the people that worked there because all of your friends work at all of the like landmark theaters, of course, mm-hmm. in the area. And uh, they're like, hang on. And someone sent someone back to get me from the alley. And I was like, hi, mom. <laughs> and she was like, just checking. And she hung up on me. <laughs> and so then she believed that I was actually there. So then I was allowed to go there for some reason. Yeah. I was also allowed to have my friend James spend the night because I think she thought he was gay. He mm-hmm. absolutely wasn't. A few years later, I was totally making out with that guy. <laughs> um, so yeah. did you every Saturday go to the Rocky Horror Picture I Show? I did because it was the only time I was allowed to go out at night. Yeah. But I would think so I would be like, yeah, mom, I'm going to that thing. And then I wouldn't yeah, go Yeah, but there. all my friends were there anyways. And I just hang out in the alley. And mm-hmm. that's all you really want to do. Like all the punk rockers would come out. Mm-hmm. Like anybody within like a 15 mile radius with a mohawk would show up there. So that's where I had to be. Yeah. I had no all choice All the cool the kids matter. were there. But okay, yeah, so, so mom, I had mom was strict. He was who, living in the closet. He was living in the closet. <laughs> and so I had to be sent away. And I got sent to boarding school in Seattle. It wasn't actually a boarding school. It's just a little private school that had a boarding house for mm-hmm. like international students or out of town kids. I was the only Californian. My roommate was Japanese. She was delightful. She had the cutest alarm clock ever. Was it a cat? It was an animal. That had sort of a kitty-like way, maybe Uh a bunny, somewhere in between, (laughs) like some vague cuteness that had little arms that waved in the air. Mm, What kind of noise did it make? It said good morning in Japanese, so (gasps) it started a whisper and it'd go, oh, hi, yo, 
Ohio, Ohio, and so it was screaming. And I it waved want its that. arms. It was amazing. It's the best way to wake up I've ever heard. It was so good, <laughs> and it glowed. It like brightened and oh. waved and like it was until it was like this crescendo of cuteness. Oh. But uh <laughs> thanks, Yuki. And yeah, so it was in this dorm with these kids across the street from our weird hippie school that was in this old Victorian. How I, many kids went there? I'm trying to think, because in my little international house there were no more than 25 kids Mm -hmm, 20 mm -hmm. kids maybe yeah that lived there yeah okay school probably only had a couple hundred maybe everyone called the teachers by their first name Mm -hmm. and i don't know very relaxed i was really close to like the house where they filmed singles oh yeah like you could walk to that apartment complex (laughs) but it was just post grunge it wasn't quite when Green Day hit, but people were starting to shed mm-hmm. their grunt, their grunge skin. And see, yeah. also they're very anti-grunge. Like, don't walk around with the flannel around your waist. At that point, it was like all about gutter punk because people were so sick of the grunge thing being brought up. It was weird. It was very like homeless chic. Like everybody had to be like a gutter punk that lived on the streets, or you're probably from like the rich kid neighborhood or something. But we went out because we lived near places you could walk around. Mm-hmm. I didn't really make any friends outside of school because there were a lot of really cool people. And it was very uh, be yourself. So everyone was really unique in a lot of different ways. And I had great teachers. There were no Korean kids, actually, but there were a ton of Thai kids and a few Japanese kids. And the Japanese kids were the cool ones and they had rad hair. And, like, it was fun teaching the Japanese punk rock girl about punk. Like, it was fun to expose her to, like, all the Bay Area stuff. What was the name of that band that did, it was all over the radio, that keep them separated? Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, something with an O. I don't remember. Anyway, we saw that band because she loved them so much. Because she came from Japan and she was 15 and she wanted to become a punk rocker and she had spiky orange hair, but she didn't know anything about music. So I got to educate her in all the like Bay Area punk stuff. Like, so she had to... the fashion, but you had the music. She... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, like Op Ivy blew her freaking mind. Like she didn't know that shit existed. It was amazing. It was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Very sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I feel like I should finish off by saying that after going to Seattle, my friend Dustin totally drove that boyfriend up to me in Seattle, <gasps> and he followed me there. Oh my <laughs> gosh! So by trying to get me away from him, she probably prolonged our relationship by minimum year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Dustin is the worst friend or the, the best, best right? friend. She hated him, so she loved me. Oh, so very good By the end of that ride in her VW bus up from California, she barely slowed down and kicked him out of her fucking (laughs) hand. She was so over She's like, duck and roll. Yeah. Like, I'm... I can't. Oh my god. Did She's you like, see... I want to hang out with you, but I don't want him there. So did you hang out with him when you were at boarding school? Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. Oh. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I probably would have broken up with him at least mm-hmm. six months before that. Right. If right. she had just left us alone. Yeah. Let that be a lesson. <laughs> to all you parents out there. Oh. Eric Chase Worthington was the youngest boy and his parents were a bit more lax. Let's hear his dad's advice. My dad would always say, when I would go out on Fridays, we'd always there was a coffee shop called Paris on the Pooter where all the weird kids hung out. And every Friday I'd go there and my dad would say before I left, he'd say, be nice to the pibs, people in black. <laughs> and he'd say, he'd say, be safe, be wise, be home. I love it. And that was always like, that. I, I, I still to this day, anytime I leave my parents' house, if I'm staying there visiting or whatever and I go out, they're like, be safe, be wise, be home. That's adorable. And I was like, it was a good lesson though, because a lot of parents like over, yeah, over, um, I was the, I'm the youngest child. So by the time I was around, my parents were like, whatever you just do you. Yeah. <laughs> but it did mean that I was very conscious. Like I was conscious of the fact that they were being very generous mm-hmm. because I know a lot, I had a curfew, but I also was, they were very hands off as far as you do you cool just don't get in any trouble and if you do get in trouble don't get caught (laughs) right my my parents would say make good choices yeah which i feel like is similar (laughs) yeah i always like the i always like the be safe be wise be home it's Mm -hmm. like figure it out but just come home safe right yeah and it's really and it it demonstrates that they trusted you to be wise and make good choices Mm -hmm. well and i i I definitely of the of me and my brother i am definitely the more responsible i was always i was always the bad kid until my brother was the bad kid and he was the bad kid in such a spectacular Uh fashion (laughs) that now i'm the good kid all the time and i don't like it (laughs) i liked being the bad kid it was way less responsibility Uh, right it's very confusing when the script gets flipped like that you're like what is my identity again (laughs) i'm like wait i was i was the rebel still the rebel in my own mind at least that's true my mom margo claims my rebellion started early we talked about it in her backyard and she has some distinct memories so you listen to the podcast which one of the Abby Normal podcast. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It was very funny. Was there anything that I talked about that you didn't like? That you were like, that hurts my feelings? Um, I didn't like it when you used the F word. I didn't <laughs> use the F word. Are you sure? Yeah. Well, somebody did. Yeah, people do. Yeah. Okay, so the F word hurt your feelings. No, no, it didn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> no, it didn't hurt my feelings. Um, no, there wasn't anything that hurt my feelings. Is there anything that you're worried I'm going to talk about? Um, no. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about that. <laughs> um, well, I'm sure I'm braced for if you're going to be critical of my parenting. Uh-huh. But I also feel like because you are parenting that you will have the grace to acknowledge that we were doing the best we could right, with the information you had at the time. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So, you know, and that every decision we were making was really really trying to take care of you because mm-hmm. we loved you. 
Thanks. No, but I loved the line that you said, don't lie to your mom, it'll hurt her feelings. (laughs) (laughs) And she'll know. (laughs) And she'll know. Yep, yep. So just like your dad knew when you were ditching and he found you. Oh my gosh, he knew. He did. How did he know? It's the only time I ever ditched school and somehow he knew and then he drove the streets and found me using his spidey sense yes his spidey daddy sense do you remember what your punishment was oh i'm sure i was grounded yeah that was that was the go-to punishment Uh just like for you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah just like i knew when you were going to sneak out of the house i never snuck out of the house honey you did sneak out of the house and i caught you when like seventh grade how was i sneaking uh out the door when we were in bed and what yep where was i going to meet andy for some rollerblading was i mad at you were we in a fight no i don't think we were in a fight so i think you were just going out because it sounded like fun probably (laughs) i yeah it it doesn't sound like i was sneaking at all if i was just walking out the front door no no you were definitely sneaking the house was dark and you were tippy-toeing down and out the back door you know it's like one o'clock in the morning no it wasn't you're making this up no I am not making that up and I do not know other than God told me that you were going to sneak out (laughs) because like I was awake and just went downstairs and was like Abigail (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh I must have blocked it from my memory it does not sound familiar I yeah you're sure it wasn't Holly that sounds like something she would do no I'm positive it was you I'm positive similar to Carmelita and Cindy the restrictions my parents implemented did not prevent me from doing what I wanted to do but the guardrails they put in place may have prevented me from going off the tracks. So I appreciate all their attention, and my daughter better believe that I'm going to be all up in her business. The majority of the music on this episode are I Dunno by Grapes of Wrath. And if you want to find Miss Cindy, check out the high decibels. Miss Cindy, you a sexy 